to the sermon. Yes, Brian. Yes, Mark McVeigh, M C, capital V E Y, Mark McVeigh, uh, Broadway star. He was here in Naples last week at the Philharmonic. He put four concerts on at the Phil, uh, and uh, he has uh, been in the role of Jean Valjean longer and more often than any other actor singer. Three thousand. 300 performances. So, something to see. Uh, and so, mark it down. So, we are deep within the sermon. Yes, Bruce. Oh, Bruce, I'm so sorry, brother. Please forgive me. My friend Bruce Chandler, I, you know, and we made arrangements for him to speak about uh, the uh, well drilling that he's been involved with, brother. Thank you. I'll put this up. I'm used to Sharon forgetting me, but I, this yeah, is the sorry. first time you've forgotten Forgive me. Forgive me, brother. <laughs> uh, many of you know that uh, Sharon and I have been involved in uh, well drilling in, uh, in Africa. Uh, since 2004, since we've been involved, we've drilled uh, over 700 wells. That's 700,000 people that have received water and almost a quarter million people who've been exposed to the gospel. Uh, roughly 75,000 people have accepted uh, Christ as their savior and churches have been planted. Uh, this class last year took uh, the well drilling project on as their mission project for uh, out of the U.S. and raised $16,000, just over $16,000 for well drilling, which just really blows us away. That resulted in our planting, uh, planting two new churches and drilling two wells uh, in, uh, in, let me just read these out. Uh, Zinviab Gomle and Mignoblo. Uh, both are Muslim villages, but, but the neat thing, and we have this on a, a video that we've made, it's free, it'll be at where you drop your name tags off, it'll be there, just pick it up, they're, they're free, no cost to them. But the amazing thing about the one well, and, and the footage shows this, is that it's directly in front of one of the biggest mosques in West Africa. Amen. So uh, we had, at this well, uh, we had 240 people see the uh, film, 45 accepted Christ as their savior. At the other village, uh, which is also a Muslim village, we had 200 people view the film and 40 uh, received Christ as their savior. Churches have been planted there. We follow up with them and it's been great. Uh, now, normally we, we give a thank you video to the donors. So we're gonna give you all a thank you video. We usually give a, a plaque uh, and this plaque has on it the uh, locations uh, on, in latitude and longitude, so you can Google on and find out where it is, and we can furnish that information. It'll be on the DVD that we have out there too. But I can't give it to 400 people. But I thought, what better person to give it to than our beloved Le leader John? And on behalf of uh, the Global Aid Network, we'd like to present this to you. Bless you. I've asked him to hang it. I've asked John to hang it on his front door. He hasn't yet said yes, but I'm hoping. We'll find a good spot. I'll circulate, I'll circulate this around so you can take a look. Thank you, Bruce. God bless you and your work. What a wonderful thing. And thank you, class, for, for your generosity as the Lord touched you and you impact the gospel of Jesus Christ for the world. All right, so we're back to our lesson. And so take the, uh, what, you, what you have in your hands, because that's what I intended to cover, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me honestly this week. And I wanted to tie up a few things on the last lesson, and I found that this morning, by the time I tied it up, it took the whole lesson. 
So take what you have, bring it back next week, all right? Remember to bring it back, because I don't, I don't want the church to have to pray for, uh, pay for more printing. But what I want to do is I want to tie up a few things that I didn't cover last week as we uh, understand, get a firm understanding of give us this day, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, understanding what Jesus meant when he said that, and tying that together with Scripture that where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So give us this day our daily bread, and I am the bread of life. And, the, and the, some of you may think I repeat myself, and I'm going to tell you I do not repeat myself, brother, okay? I do not, uh, because everything that I do, everything that I do is purposely done because I'm attempting to tie lessons together where people who may not have been here get the understanding of where we have been. What good is it if I teach a lesson today in which I make reference to some concepts and do not tie them up? So my point is, if I'm on a lesson that takes three weeks or four weeks, I want to make sure you understand exactly where we've been before I begin. And let me do that. Let me do that. You understand, give us this day, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And we understood where that came from. That came from Jesus going back and looking at Scripture and understanding what our need was. We have physical needs. We have needs for necessities, for food, for shelter, for protection. And so we saw that as the, the Hebrew people were taken out of Egypt taken out of Egypt and brought through the wilderness for 40 years. And we saw that, that God delivered them every day for 40 years, manna, bread, physical needs, took care of their physical needs. Their clothing never wore out. For 40 years, they were protected. So God first makes that promise to you that he will take care of your needs. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. But it's far greater than that. And Moses emphasized that to the people as they were about to go into the promised land, just before the period of Judges, just before they're about to go into the promised land. And Moses told them that God took care of your physical needs, but remember that, that what you really need is the bread of life that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what you need. Yes, God will take care of your physical needs. But don't be focused on your physical needs. That's not the real essence. The real essence of God is your spiritual life, your well-being for your eternal life. And so uh, Moses spoke to God on that issue and told him that. And Jesus repeated that. Jesus repeated that to Satan when Satan tried to tempt him in the wilderness after being there for 40 days. And, and Satan said to him, you have the authority to turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus looked at Satan and said, man does not live by bread alone. So understand, understand this whole concept that your greater need, as you make this prayer, give us this day, our daily bread, is God is going to take care of your physical needs. He's going to take care of your necessities. But you have greater needs, and that's your spirit. You need to be fed every day by the bread of God. You need to be filled to live in this evil world. And we talked about it. This is an evil world getting more evil daily. You heard the pastor talk about it this morning. Make no mistake about it. And the only way you can survive in this world is to be fed daily by, by Jesus Christ. 
And so understanding how to put these two scriptures together is what I'm going to finish on today as we understand how we make that prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And when Jesus said that, that's the first time he made that statement, I am the bread of life. It's the first of the seven I am's that I gave you. I am the gatekeeper. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. All the seven I am's which effectively said to the world, there is only one way to the Father, through me. Only one way, through me. Forget all your philosophy, all your good thoughts, all your good works, they're all meaningless. You only get to the Father through me. And so in order to go back and understand this, let's go back to John chapter 6. As Jesus explains now, I am the bread of life. This is the spiritual bread that now we are to eat. This is what Jesus is referring to when he said, give us this day our daily bread. John chapter 6, and I want to focus now on verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You understand right there, you believe in Jesus, you will never want from spiritual hunger or spiritual thirst. He'll take care of you. Yes, you'll have your needs taken care of. Yes, will they be everything that you want? No, because you're a human being and it never ends. You want more and more and more. And you have a long list of things that you think you need, but God knows that you don't need. And we remember that great prayer in Proverbs that said, Lord, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. When you can make that prayer, when you can really make that prayer, that's when you know you are maturing as a Christian. Because we're very good at the part of, Lord, please don't make me poor. But the part about, please don't make me rich, believe me, that's, that's, a, that's a deep Christian that can make that prayer. I told you that my father would say that about 10 or 15 times a year in church that that was his prayer. And every time he would say that, I would bow my head and say, Lord, remember, that's his prayer. <laughs> that's not my prayer, Lord, because I'd like to be rich. But it's only that I understood after a while that, you know, God, give me what you want me to have. Not a dime more. Give me what you've determined I need. And if it's something that'll take me away from you, take it away from me. That's the kind of prayer you need to have. But you understand what this is, is spiritual maturity as you grow, as you grow in, in with the Lord. And as I said to you, what we have to understand here is we, we, as we do this study and understand the bread of life, the bread of life, what this is, is taking the word of the gospel, of the scripture, Jesus himself, who is the word, and in, and in bringing it within your body eating it, digesting it every day, opening your Bible, reading your Bible, praying, getting involved in this Bible study, bringing yourself to a church where you're getting fed, continually work at, at, at taking the word in because what happens to a lot of us, the first thing we do when we get up in the morning is we turn on television. Oh, I need to, I need to see the news because I need some catastrophe that I know will uplift me. 
How many people got killed last night? Where was the fire? I mean, all the evil that just spewed out of, of television, honestly. And instead, we as Christians, honestly, we should turn it off. I'm not saying live in a, in a cave, but go to the Bible. Read the Bible first. Get filled with the Spirit. Have God protect you so that your spirit is protected against the, the evil that is going to come into your house, that's going to come into your life. This is what it means, really, to, to take the bread of life. And here's the key. Understand this issue. You are in a school. When you're saved, don't be like some people who say, oh, I was saved, you know, July 1st, 1958. That's it. I'm done. I graduated. It's all taken care of. Now I can get on with the important business of my life. I've got a lot of things i got to do. That's not what it's about. You have been given entrance into the greatest school in the universe. Not because you were so smart or so gifted, but because you had the best person in the world recommending you, Jesus Christ. And that's what it is. You're in kindergarten. You're in kindergarten. Now God every day wants to feed you through the word of Jesus Christ and help you to grow and mature and matriculate up through the grades so that you can go out and impact the kingdom. One of my great fears is that the day that I will see Jesus, I don't want Jesus to say to me, you know, John, uh, I had such great plans for you, uh, but you just didn't understand it. Wow. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? You don't ever want to be in that position. You don't ever want to be in that position. You want Jesus to say to you, brother, my good and faithful servant, you understood what salvation was. You understood what the gift was. You understood what the Spirit of God was. You understood what the bread of life was. You took it into yourself, and you gave it to others. That's what you want yourself to hear when you stand before Jesus. That's what these lessons are about. Understanding what God is saying to us so that when you leave here, you're empowered. You go out in the world and people look at you and say, who is that person? Where do these people go? How do they live? Look at the difference in them and the world. That's what these lessons are about. And so Jesus is telling you here, he's, he's, he's saying, and I am the bread of life, verse 35. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Can you imagine? They saw him there. He walked the earth. He was with them. He turned five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 people. And there were 12 baskets left over, and they still didn't believe him. And, they st and is there any wonder? Is it any wonder when two and a half million Jews left Egypt and only two walked into the, into the promised land? Because, because there was a fault in all the others? And you understand what God, the, the, the standard that God holds us to? And, but as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Underline that verse in your Bible. All who the Father gives me will come to me, and I will never drive them away. You come to Jesus, and underline the word all. All. No exclusions. All. All right? And don't get caught up in some of the theology which says 
that there's an election of who it is who's going to be saved. Some of our good, well-meaning brethren in other denominations have determined this theological premise that God has determined in advance who, was, who will be saved and who will not be saved. Brother and sister, that is false. That's false. That is mistaken theology. There's nothing that I've seen in the Bible that says anything different than all shall be saved who come to Jesus Christ. That's how I read it. What is the election? The election is Jesus Christ. God has made the election that your salvation shall come from Jesus Christ. That's the election. And let me put it to you somewhere, some, some other way so that you understand this issue. Because you're going to come across people that are well-meaning, but they're wrong. They're wrong. They will say, well, I believe in pre predestination. I believe in predetermination. I believe in the doctrine of election that God has determined in advance who will be saved and who will, who will not be saved. And I will tell you that that's wrong. It's theologically incorrect. It violates, in my opinion, the very understanding premise of God. Why would God send Jesus if he had already selected those who would, who would need a Savior? Seems like an unnecessary step, doesn't it? If that's, in fact, how he works. And I'm going to tell you what the difference is. God, at the moment that he created you, had foreknowledge. F-O-R-E, knowledge. What does that mean? It's as if you were at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and you're on the 37th floor of a building on Broadway. And as you look out from the 37th floor, you see the beginning of the, the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade, and you see the end at the same time. And that's what God is doing with us. God, at the moment that he created you, knew exactly what decision you would make with your life. And yet he created you anyway. Because that's how God is. He gives you free will. He gives you the ability to raise your fist in his eye and to repudiate him and to walk away from him because that's how God is. So it's not that he predestined you one way or another. He created you with free will and the free will is to reject him. Wow. What kind of God is that? Who of us, if we were a creator, would, re, would create some creature that would shake his fist at us. Those of us have had dogs. I mean, you, can you imagine having a pet that would basically bite you whenever you went to feed him? I mean, it really is the same thing, but you see how God works, how God works. And what he's doing is this whole panoply that he's involved with, this whole creation that you can't understand, and by the way, let me tell you this. When you start putting your mind around what's the age of the world, when did creation start, let me, let me tell you where you're headed. You have a puny little mind. Okay? You have a puny little mind. I'm speaking about myself first. Okay? Here you are embedded in this pile of flesh that comes from dust, and you have this mind that God gave you, and now you're trying to figure out exactly when the creation took place. You're trying to put your arms around it, and then you're trying to figure out what is the concept of eternity. I like that. Oh, I, Brother John, I, 
I have a hard time understanding eternity. That's right, you have a hard time understanding eternity. Because time is a concept created by man. You think God created time? Time is irrelevant to God. But man created time. Man cre- and now, oh, eternity doesn't go with time. That's right. Eternity doesn't go with time. And frankly, if you understood the concept of eternity, you would frighten me. All right? Because of your, the limitations of your carnal mind. And so if you understand these issues, you come to understand how great God is, that he would take this creation, he would create a being that had the power to reject him, and you say, why? Why? Because he's doing it as the angels stand there and watch this whole thing. Can you imagine? You are effectively on stage for the angels. They are watching what God is doing as they stood there and watched the creation itself as the Bible tells us that. Watch the creation itself. And they're looking at what takes place, and it is an amazement to them to see human beings like yourself created with the ability to refute God, to walk out from God, and yet to love him and to give their hearts to him. It's an amazing testament to the power of God and Jesus Christ. And so you understand how this is so different from anything you could ever possibly put your arms around and understand it. And so he says, he says in verse 36, But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe me. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. Underline that. I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. Put that verse on your refrigerator. Okay? When people tell you that you're going to lose your salvation, and Jesus is telling you, I shall lose none of those that God has given. He's going to take you and hold you in his hand. He's going to keep you safe. He's going to keep you to that last day until he will raise you up. For my Father's will is that everyone, underline it, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Everyone, no exceptions, no exclusions, everyone. Amen? Amen. You can give me a better amen than that. Amen is right. Amen is right. When you hear words like this, you should barely be able to sit in your seat. Honestly, you should barely be sitting here in your seat when you hear what Jesus has promised you and what he's going to do for you. These aren't my words. This is our Lord and Savior speaking to this. You know, and I will raise him up at the last day. So what does it mean? It means everyone that comes to Jesus Christ that gives his heart to him is going to be saved. And when they're saved, they're going to be held forever in his hand. They're going to be held now. But that's just the beginning of the story. And that's why I'm teaching you, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, what is that about? It is the understanding that every day, even though you're saved, you need to be fed. It's not done. You're in kindergarten. You're living in an evil world. You're living in a place where Satan is ruled. And you need to be fed and strengthened. And those of you who don't do this 
are going to wither on the vine. Are you, going to not, are you going to not be saved? No, I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but you're going to lose your ministry. You're going to lose your effectiveness for Jesus. You're going to lose the promise of what God has for you, the, the gifts that he has for you in the, in the kingdom. And this is an important understanding as we, as we come to see this. And so I wanted to emphasize this as I bring this part of the lesson to, to closure. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You understand that? The first fruits of all he created. The preeminent creation is you. God has created you to be preeminent of all his creations. All right? Understand how great a promise God has for you. And you're sitting here in this world, and now you need to be fed. You need to be given the spiritual understanding of what that means. And so another important verse on this subject is John chapter 3. Turn to it. John chapter 3. Understanding, again, give us this bread. Feed us this day. The spiritual bread. What is this concept? What does this mean? John chapter 3, verse 3. And this is where Jesus is speaking uh, to Nicodemus. And Jesus says the following. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, born again, meaning what? Born of the Spirit. Understanding that it's not the physical manna, that it's the spiritual manna. Understanding that you can only grow with Jesus if you've given him your heart, and now you are waiting for Jesus to feed you. And you understand the nature and importance of spiritual life. Not the physical life. Don't worry about the physical life. God's got that covered for you, but your spiritual life. How are you going to grow? How are you going to impact the world for Jesus? Turn with me now back again to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 12. Understand the spiritual nature of what we're involved in. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. You understand? We are involved in understanding spiritual truth. This Bible speaks spiritual truth in multiple levels, getting that truth through the Spirit, being fed through the Spirit every day, every day of your life. Continuing on, verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Oh, you understand that? The world looks at you and they don't, I don't understand it. Why do they get up Sunday morning and they go away for hours? Oh, they could be doing, they could be sleeping. They could be resting. They could be golfing. They could see their family members. Instead, they go to church several hours a day. Then not only that, I hear that they give a lot of their money away. What is it? This is a hard place to live. 
and yet they give a lot of their money. Why do they do that? It doesn't make sense. I believe you should work as hard as you can and keep every dime that you've got. That's the world, isn't it? That's the world. Instead, you understand through the Spirit that you're here for a fragment of time. A blink of an eye, you make it to 100 years, God bless you. If you make it to 100, most of us won't get near 100. And what is 100 years? It is a wink of an eye when you understand it. And then you understand that, then you understand the greater sense of the spiritual truths. How what you're doing has far greater significance, far more meaning. And that's what we need to do. Understand what the spiritual truths are, the feeding that God is giving you every day of your life when you get out of bed. You ask God, Lord, please, let me read your scriptures. Let me, let me immerse myself in the word. Let me pray. Let me find a Bible study where I can go and be fed. Let me find a church where I can go and be fed because I need it. It's a dry world. It's an angry place. I'm being tempted from every possible avenue. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter. Verse 22, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Let me stop right there. You have sincere love for your brothers. Do you realize, do you realize that without the love of Jesus Christ that you couldn't even love your wife or your husband or your children? And let me say something else that those of us who are saved and are not every day getting fed spiritually and lifted up, we're not properly loving our mates and our spouses because God wants you to have the kind of love that you need in your family and in the world. And unless you are getting fed daily, you have a deficit. Sorry to say it. Sorry to say it. You know what I mean. You go home after church. You've been in church. And all of a sudden, your wife will make some kind of a comment. What was that? What'd she mean by that? And some word will come out of your mouth, some response, some bit of anger. And, and, and where did that come from? It comes from the fact that you are on spiritual emptiness. You need to be fed. You need to get back in the word. I, I told the guys in my, my Monday morning group, that, that one of the things that I've had to really cope with in my life was my tongue. My tongue. I made a living with my tongue. Oh, my mouth. I got paid a lot of money to rip people apart. Win cases. I said to them, you know, I got to Naples with my, with my mouth, but I recognized that unless I curtailed it and put it under control, that's the last place I'd be. I wouldn't get up to heaven. Because you understand what it means when you're fed by the Spirit, when God speaks to your heart, when you're in the Word, now here's what happens. You're, you're, something comes across your radar screen, somebody does something to you, and the brain fire says, signals to the lips, fire, one. You understand what that is. Blast them. You have the ability, cut them down, okay? Knock them down. Give it to them. You know you can do it. You're good at it. And just as you're ready to curl those lips up and send out a missile, here's what happens. It's like the Holy Spirit says, abort! <laughs> abort! 
oh, and here's where you are. You're going, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. I know I shouldn't have had that thought. Lord, forgive me. And that's exactly how God wants it to be. He wants it to be like that. Now, the only way you're going to get that way is if you're feeding from the bread of God. You're feeding from Jesus. You are not going to get that way if you're, if you're just walking through life without connecting with God. Because you are flesh. Because you carry around a sinful nature. Yes, you were saved. Yes, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. But as I'm telling you, let's get out of kindergarten. Let's at least get into high school. Amen? I mean, really, let's grow as Christians. Let's grow so we have to understand this. And so looking at what Jesus is saying here, Jesus is saying, I will reject no one. This is important. I will reject no one. Every single person that comes to me, that accepts me as his Savior, will be accepted, will be brought into me. What an incredible promise this is, that you have that guarantee that you will be in heaven one day, that he will never lose you, that he holds you in the palm of his hand, that nothing will happen to you that he does not allow, that he is in charge of your life. Don't worry about the day-to-day -day things. Don't worry about whether you have a house or whether you have a roof over your head. God will take care of you. You understand? It may not be the house you want. It may not be in the location you want. But you know what? If you are a child of God, God will take care of you. He'll inspire other people who love you to come to your aid. When you're with Christian people who love you and love the Lord, He will never abandon you. But the greater need, the greater thing is, am I getting fed spiritually and so this is an important understanding for us. And so as I bring this whole section to a close, as you understand what it means when you make that prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When you understand what he's saying and what it means when you make that prayer, what that prayer really means, what Jesus intended that prayer to, to mean. Look now with me to 1 Timothy as we bring this to a close. 1 Timothy. Chapter 6, 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 6, 6 to 10. And now, as Paul is speaking and bringing to terms all of what we as Christians need to aspire for, listen what, what he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, amen to that, brother. Godliness with contentment. Lord, I'm satisfied where I am. I'm satisfied what you've given me. I'm satisfied with the possessions that I have. Lord, I recognize that as a child of God, this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. I'm satisfied. And so, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And if you want proof for that, take a look at a funeral on the way to the cemetery. Tell me if there are any armored cars in the procession. You know what I mean. Bank armored cars carrying gold bars. Are there? Of course not, they're not. All right? Because here's what we do. We spend all our life going like this. Give me, I want it. Let me have it. I need it. I want it. And then here's what happens the day you die. Boom! It's gone. It's gone. Somebody told me a story of somebody dying, going to the gates of heaven, 
and dragging his chest with him, chest with him. And St. Peter goes, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? You can't bring anything in here. Oh, no, I got to have this. This is critical. I spent my whole life getting this together. St. Peter walks over and opens the chest, and it's filled with gold bars. And Peter said, my goodness, why would you bring paving materials into heaven? I'm telling you, you heard it here. <laughs> For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, underline it, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So understand what this means when you say to Jesus, dear Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It is a presumption that Jesus will take care of what you need. He'll take care of every aspect of your physical needs. But the greater prayer, the real prayer is, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Feed my spirit. Lord, I want to take the bread of life. I want to take you into my body. I want to eat this bread. I want to grow. I want to understand the spiritual things of life. I want to become empowered so that when I leave this place and I go out into the world, I can face evil. I can look evil in the eye and know that you're with me and that you will strengthen me, and that I will be able to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world through you, Lord. That is my prayer. That is what Jesus meant when he said, give us this day our daily bread. Bring your lessons from this week back next week. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the lessons that you've given us as we see this greatest prayer ever given to humanity. Lord, we aspire to the request that you've made. Take the words that you've given us today, Lord. Help us to incorporate it into our hearts. Let us digest it and let us grow, Lord, so that when we leave here, we can go out into the world and impact the world for you. Lord, protect these dear people. Bring them back safely next week. We put all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.